clarity, connection, authenticity. I'm Alexa Ray, former mental health clinician turned life coach. I quit my full-time career because I was sick of working in a healthcare system where people were not getting the help they needed to actually shift and there were so many gaps present. I am shaking up the mental health game to help women reconnect to their authentic selves and rewrite their story from who they think they should be to who they want to be. In Authentically You, we'll be talking about all things that limit us from connecting to our authentic self. Trauma, self-worth, self-esteem, relationships, communication, addiction, self-compassion, body image, disordered eating, anxiety, challenging beliefs, all of these things. Bottom line is, I want this to help you feel seen, to help you feel safe, heard, and validated. Hey everyone, welcome back to Authentically You. I am going to be continuing on with my four-part series of the attachment uh, theory series. And I have been getting a lot of people reaching out about this because I think, you know, we don't really fully understand all the education around it. And so I'm happy that people are intrigued by it and people are, you know, learning about things and, and are becoming more curious about how it is that they show up on this planet And so the first one, we talked about secure attachment. We talked about what attachment theory generally is and how John Bowlby sort of, you know, invented this and did the the research on this. And so then we talked about last week, the anxious attachment style. And this week we're starting to talk about avoidant attachment style, sometimes referred to as anxious avoidant in childhood. And so avoidant, dismissive, attachment style, you'll hear various terms to describe it, but at the end of the day, it's essentially avoidant. And it's one of the three insecure attachment styles that we've talked about, sorry, that we're going to cover throughout this series. And it really comes down to, in my opinion, people who are not people, sorry, parents, because we talked about, you know, attachment, our ability to securely attach or not securely attach to someone is developed in our childhood. So it always comes down to our caregivers or our parents and how we were, our initial social bonds were created in our lives. And so parents who are strict or emotionally distant do not really um, tolerate the expression of feelings usually, and they expect their child to be independent, tough-minded, you know, and they raise children usually who end up having an avoidant attachment style. And so when I think about this, I think about, you know, those really old school parents where, and I think it's more driven, like it reminds me of my, of my brother a bit around, it's like, you have to be tough. You have to be a man's man. You can't let you, you're, you can't cry. You're a boy, you know, all these things. And therefore we don't really attach safety to expression of our emotions. We don't attach safety to that person understanding what my name, my emotional needs are as a child. And so then as an adult, these, these children can really appear as really confident, self-sufficient. Um, but they also don't really tolerate emotional or physical intimacy because it's been scared. Like it's been taught that it's unsafe for them. Right. And so they might not be able to build any healthy, long lasting relationships And you'll see these people in the workplace and these are the kind of people that are really independent. Maybe they're, you know, the people that seem like they are really confident, really secure in their, in their workplace and they can get it all done themselves. They don't rely on other people. They can't let 
other people take care of their their tasks at work, right? They have to be in control of all these things. And so when we think about how um, we form relationships as a child, sorry, as an adult, right? Like I said, it all comes back to our childhood. And so, like I said, you know, we, as people who are securely attached, if you're listening, you're like, I don't understand how people can go through their lives, not really wanting a connection, physical or emotional intimacy with another person. I don't get that because a lot of us are really hungry for affection, for love, because emotional intimacy has so many advantages. I love emotional intimacy. I crave emotional intimacy. And, you know, when you think about being emotionally intimate with another person, it means that I'm able to share my thoughts, my feelings openly without feeling like I have to hide who I am. And I also, in that evidence, sorry, in that event, when I share my thoughts and feelings openly, I also receive support from the person that I'm, that I'm, uh, sorry, I'm bringing for it right now that I, <laughs> is share this stuff with. I also might get reassurance from that person. I feel really seen. I feel really valued, seen, heard, appreciated. And, and therefore in that relationship, I could feel calm. I could feel safe. I could feel secure. And emotional closeness really for me could provide us with this feeling of stability in the end of the day. That's what we want, right? We want this sense of, I'm not going through my life alone. We We feel like we have another person to rely on. And I always say this when I work with women is that when I'm working with women, developing self-worth, it's a complex process. And a lot of people will deem that self-esteem or self-worth is not that valuable because it's based out of external validation or external reassurance from another person. That's not how I see it. I see self-worth as a complex process in regards to, I first need to understand what my needs are. I also need to understand how to nurture my own self and my own self-worth. And then I also need to have relationships that support that. If I don't, you know, I'm not going to have healthy bonds with people and I'm not going to have people who align with what I need. And either then I'm going to betray my own needs, my betray my own myself, or I'm going to become codependent. A lot of things can happen in that aspect. Um, and then, so essentially what I'm trying to say here is that we don't want to go through life alone. Most people don't. Um, you know, if we feel safe and valued by other people around us, we're also going to be able to maintain a higher sense of self-worth and a positive outlook on life. So like I'm saying, if you're that kind of person, like I crave that, I want close relationships. You probably are, are thinking, you know, how are there people on this planet? You might consider them, maybe they're, you think that they're a psychopath or they're narcissistic if they don't want other people's intimate, um, intimacy in regards to emotional or physical aspects, right? And so the truth is that it's not a conscious choice. Most often, there are sometimes it is conscious. I'm not going to dismiss everyone's behaviors, but most often it's not really a conscious decision that that person is making, right? Because the way that we form adults, uh, relationships in adulthood has a lot to do with the relationships that we were formed in our first social bonds as children with our caregivers. And that is a part of our life that we don't have control over. You know, as a young infant or toddler, you do not have control over the caregiver that you have all you know survival mechanism way wise in your brain is that this person i need this person to survive and therefore i'm going to attach myself in whatever way that i need even if it is an insecure manner if that makes sense um and so the question is you know we talked before how children form secure attachments in early childhood but the question is how do we people you know, really develop insecure attachments. And 
when number one, a secure attachment, like I'll just reiterate it, comes from a baby being in a secure environment where the emotion, the caregiver is emotionally available and responsive to that need to their needs. So obviously an insecure attachment comes from the opposite. If a child perceives, and I want to say that I want to put the emphasis on perceives because it's not about making fun or bashing parents or saying you're not a good enough parent. It's about how a child perceives information, just like trauma. We can't compare trauma because it's how the trauma is perceived by our brain and processed by our brain that leads to the impacts, right? It's the same concept. So if a child perceives that their basic and emotional needs are not met, they will have a hard time trusting people. And social bonds might be perceived by such children as not safe or stable, if that makes sense. This is how a child forms an insecure attachment, essentially, right? If they don't feel like it's safe and stable, they're not securely going to attach to that person. And so when we think about that person who is self-sufficient in their life, who does not want to rely on other people, that comes from that place where they realize that it is not safe to attach to someone because someone is not going to be there to meet my needs. And therefore they're going to become avoidant. Okay. They're not going to be uh, securely attached to a person. And when we think about this specific, you know, avoidant attachment style, in a child that has really a lot to do with the emotional ability of their caregivers. The caregivers don't necessarily neglect their child in general. They are probably present people. However, they tend to avoid the display of emotion and intimacy and are often not aligned to the child's emotional needs. Like I said, this is how an insecure attachment is developed. So these caregivers are reserved. They might seem to back off when the child reaches out for support, reassurance, or affection. So an example would be, you know, my child, you know, gets hurt and comes. And then essentially I would say to them, toughen up, not a big deal. You're fine. Let's keep going. Keep moving. You're okay. Don't cry. This is not a reason to cry. These are the kinds of things that lead to someone feeling like, oh, I can't show that I am weak right now. I can't show any sense of emotion. Um, And sometimes parents can also become more distant in a situation where their child becomes emotionally dense, right? So if you're raising a really highly sensitive or a highly emotional child and you don't know how to navigate that, this can be a way that you potentially navigate, especially most parents who are are caregivers that have an avoidant attachment, usually pass it on to their child if they don't do the work, right? And I'm not saying that you have to be 100% amazing at parenting all the time because nobody is. The research shows you don't have to be 100% of the time. This is talking about consistent, continuous behavior from the parents, right? Um, And so- that this child essentially is going to express this need for closeness, like I said, but instead of getting that from their caregiver, they perceive that they, the parent is shutting the door in their face. Parents um, are then going to um, teach their children that they need to avoid expressing their own feelings and it's not really safe to do so. And they might really probably disapprove or even not tolerate any notable display of emotion from their children, whether that's a happy emotion or whether that's a sad emotion. And this is the example of, I can remember um, my 
I mean, I'm a, I'm a weirdo and I teach my kid to be weird and we are loud and we take up space in the world. We dance around the grocery store. We have fun in restaurants, you know, we're not rude, but we have a good time. And I remember one time we went and my kid was really excited about having these, they were really gorgeous pancakes. If you can talk about a gorgeous pancake, I don't know. They have like birthday cake pancakes with whipped cream and deliciousness all over them. She was so excited. She was, you know, really like expressing herself because she's very emotionally expressive. And I remember my mother-in-law telling her, Isla, be quiet in the restaurant, you know, stop it. Things like this. Um, And I thought to myself, like, that is the kind of consistent behavior from a parent or a caregiver that would then teach that child that they are not tolerable. It's children are to be seen and not heard. And that is a mentality that needs to die in the ground now. Okay. Die in the ground now. I don't like that. It makes me angry. And I see it impacts so many people um, because, you know, it makes the caregiver angry. And therefore there is no trust in expressing your emotions. And so therefore, The child's going to grow up to be an adult that's very independent, that's very serious, that's very reserved. And this is how when you're raised in an environment of consistency with that, that vibe, you know, it's because usually because the caregiver, the parents, again, like I said, have the same attachment style themselves. And therefore we pass it on in and unintentionally through generation after generation after generation, if we do not do this work. And so when we look at a avoidant attachment style in adults, I always think about this because I think when I think about this part, a lot of people are going to go, wow, that sounds like a really kind of like a nice way to live, but I'm going to explain even though the the attributes of someone who is living with an avoidant attachment might seem kind of nice to the to the ear, you know, it doesn't really work in a relationship long term. So I explain why because the 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 point of this is that people who are living with an avoidant attachment style tend to be, you know, to the person another person seem to be pretty happy with who they are. They're confident with where they are in life. They might be very social, easygoing, fun to be around, right? It's a good bud to go out with. And they might have a lot of friends. And, and there's also a lot of research that shows they might have a lot of sexual partners. Um, in general, they're not alone or lonely. So you're thinking, oh, you know, they're independent. Their self-esteem is really high. They don't rely on other people for reassurance or emotional support. Um, and so, wow, what the heck is wrong with this picture? So really think about that for a second. Like if this person is like high self-esteem, fun to be around, happy with who they are, you know, independent, doesn't need reassurance from other people. They seem to be in control. They probably have a really good professional development in their lives that builds up confidence. What the heck is wrong with this picture then? It's when it talks about relationships. So for people who are living with an avoidant attachment style, social interactions, tend um so social interactions and bonds really remain on the surface so in order for a relationship to be meaningful and and fulfilling and and correct me if i'm wrong and you know maybe you don't feel this way but for me and most people for a relationship to be meaningful and fulfilling it has to become deep you have to have those conversations with that person you can't really always be talking about superficial things. Otherwise it won't be a meaningful relationship because you'll run out of things to talk about, or you won't feel um, emotionally connected to that person and, and bonded to that person. Um, and so that's where we would sort of like hit this wall with a person who is living with an avoidant attachment style in relationships, right? So essentially these people would let you be around them. They're fun to go out with. We're having a good time. We're going out dancing, but they're never going to fully let you in. You're never going to really fully understand who they are because they tend to have strong 
um, they, sorry, they avoid strong displays of closeness and intimacy. And I can think about so many people I've dated in the world before I did all my inner work in regards to like, you know, you're dating, it's superficial, you're having a good time. And then all of a sudden things get serious and the person ghosts you. It's just like dead air. No one's there. You're like, what the heck happened? And then if you are living within an anxious attachment, if you want to listen to that episode before, usually people who have anxious attachment or are really attracting people to avoid an attachment if they don't do work to sort of understand how to integrate themselves better. And so therefore you as an anxious attachment are thinking, what am I doing wrong? Overwhelming, you become really clingy. You know, you might really buy gifts for someone to, to show your level of uh, affection for them, right? There's so many things. And this just scares the avoidant person off. And so at this point, people usually tend to find a reason to end a relationship, right? If you're dating and this happens, things get serious and they're freaking out. And they might even really become highly annoyed by their their partner's behavior. Maybe it's their, you know, their habits, right? They don't like the fact that they want to cling on and all these things. And so they're going to start distancing themselves from the person and, Again, adults with this attachment style believe they truly, genuinely, genuinely believe unconsciously that they do not need emotional intimacy in their lives. Okay. And this is a direct result of their upbringing. The caregivers that they've had in their lives show them that people cannot be relied on. And whenever they've sought emotional support in the past, it was not provided. And so they simply stop looking for it. They don't need it. They don't expect it from other people. And therefore, they find it hard to you know, understand why other people would need that from other people or need that from them. Sorry. Okay. So if you're listening to this, you're like, oh my gosh, I think this is me or, oh my gosh, I'm thinking my partner is this way. You know, then you're thinking like, well, well, what now, you know, what can I do? The key to, to admit and realize that there's this switch of emotional intimacy that's been turned off on you. Um, it has to be turned on essentially. And this is going to be challenging again, because your ego is going to pop in and tell you like, don't do that. It's unsafe. This is unknown. I don't know what this is. Stay where you are. But again, that is not going to help you evolve or have meaningful and fulfilling relationships, right? So any sort of inner work, any sort of shift in the aspect is going to require a lot of effort, consistency, you know, reflection, um, it's going to be hard at times. And so there's three questions that I like to say for people is the first one is, what do I feel? So a person living with an avoidant attachment needs to start paying attention to the emotional and physical sensations that come up around intimacy in regards to specifically being emotional, uh, sorry, emotional intimacy, but also physical intimacy, you know? Um, and so when paying attention to those sensations and those emotions that come up, and this is where self-reflection comes into key. Self-reflection might make sense um, of analyzing existing patterns, right? We have lived however many years you've been on this planet with this pattern. We have to start becoming self-aware of it and understanding what do I genuinely feel? Because we cannot move forward in life unless we feel the feelings, bottom line. And this is the, what's the, one of the hardest parts of doing work like this is that people don't want to go there, you know? Um, and then the second question I want you to ask is what do I need? And so this is a meaning like, what do I need in regards to exploring and understanding what my actual emotional needs are? And this is when I talk about building self-worth in, uh, in the work that I do is that I need to understand what my needs are. Cause a lot of people don't actually know what they are. This might come from doing inner child work. Um, it might from, come from doing other work, but essentially we need to understand what our needs are, what needs of ours were not being met as children, 
And then being able to express those needs, those emotional needs with another person that you feel safe with. And then the third question I want you to ask is what should I do? And so at some point, the avoidant adult might be able to start working on building a closer relationship with people. You know, this is going to take, like I'm saying, all the, the other first two parts are fairly lengthy, right? If we want to have a mean relationship, we have to do the work first, but then you need to follow, you know, this sort of slow step-by-step approach to letting other people in and to responding to the emotional needs of other people. And this is why it can be such activating work if we don't do the reflection, the reflection and understanding what our needs are first, because you're going to want to push away. You're going to want to have this urge to run if a person is asking to have emotional needs met. Oh, so I am curious, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, this is me, or I need to work on this stuff, you know, obviously if you have a pattern like this, working with a therapist or someone is better, better suited for you. Cause it's probably easier to call yourself for them to call you on your BS than to you say, no, no, it's fine. I'm fine. And, and, and this is one of me really one of the most beneficial ways to move forward with earning and learning a secure attachment. And so Either way, I really hope that you you want to ch- if you want to change your attachment style that you put the effort in. You have to put effort in. Nothing's going to change. There's no magic pill to take. There's nothing. And whether you work through it with a close friend, a therapist, you find a, an attachment book, um, consistency and effort are the fundamental pieces of this. And so that is what I'm trying to tell you is that you can, there's no easy way out of this. But I also am telling you that if you have an insecure attachment, it is possible to, to learn an, a secure one. And that's all I have to say today, folks. I hope you have a lovely day. Peace. Hello, lovely human. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Authentically You. It truly, it means a lot to have you here listening. And I hope you really took something away from this episode. If you are ever looking for more, check me out on Instagram. I am posting inspirational stuff there all the time. And if you ever want to dig deeper, please reach out to me as well. And let's have a chat about you doing some deeper one-on-one healing. Because let me tell you, that is when the true magic happens. Thank you.